listeners, and welcome to the first ever episode of Lotus Village Voices, the official podcast of Lotus House Women's Shelter. We are broadcasting to you from our brand new in-house studio at the shelter in Miami, Florida, in the historic Overtown neighborhood. My name is Jackie Roth, and I'll be your host for the show. I manage our hydroponic farm here at Lotus House and assist with researching and designing other exciting children's programming, which you will be sure to hear lots more about in future episodes. This podcast is the newest development in the evolution of our 15 years of shelter operations, over the course of which we've served thousands of high special needs women and children. Our show will highlight the many therapeutic, trauma-informed, and enriching services we provide and the evidence base behind them, as well as some of our own research findings and insights from staff and other experts in the field. But most importantly, our show will amplify the voices and stories of the women and children we serve. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Miami-Dade Children's Trust and all the sponsors who have helped sustain our arts programming over the years. We extend a heartfelt thanks to each of you. In today's inaugural episode, you'll hear a conversation with our founder and executive director, Constance Collins, as well as some samples from our Mother's Day event earlier this month. Let's get started. Yes, I remember the night that this idea came into existence. We've been able to see it come into fruition over the course of a year and a half. Here we are, finally recording our first episode. I'm Jackie, hosting the podcast. Our guest here today is our founder and executive director. She wants to introduce herself. Uh, okay. Hi. <laughs> My name is Constance Collins. I am so thrilled to be uh, part of the launch of Lotus Village Voices here at Lotus Village. And I just want to say a special thank you to the Children's Trust of Miami-Dade County for sponsoring this project as uh, an innovations project that will bring the stories, hopes, and dreams of our children and families to life mm -hmm. and share them with our amazing community. Amazing. So our episode today is about just kind of an overview of Lotus House, who we are, what we do, but most importantly, what makes us different from other shelters, some of the things that kind of set us apart, um, with the primary emphasis on that being our services to children, our message of children first. So we talked a little bit earlier in the episode about how Lotus House began as a small shelter with about 30 women. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit, just tell us about how Lotus evolved from that small shelter of 34 women into what it is today with 500 people and 250 children. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's a small task. <laughs> so actually we're a Lotus House, Lotus Village is about to celebrate, no, Lotus Village is celebrating this year 15 years of operation. I can remember the very first day that we opened our doors on March 1st of 2006. Uh, back then, we were just one small apartment building. It sheltered 34 women, and we had one employee and myself and a handful of volunteers that had worked very hard to renovate an old building and get it in shape and furnish it, outfit it, and set it up 
before the very first day we opened. We spread the word in the neighborhood and to the other shelters that we were establishing a women's shelter, a safe haven for women, many of whom have uh, histories of domestic violence and trauma, complex trauma often, going back into their childhood, and that we wanted to create a safe place, something that offered holistic approach that recognized the importance, really, of a healing body, mind, and spirit through counseling, of course, but also through things like creative arts, job training, uh, life skills building, access to medical and mental health care, and uh, as time would go on, deep protective factors and supportive services for children. We started out just sheltering women without children. But I can remember the day that I sat and interviewed a woman coming in the shelter. And in those days, we didn't have the staff that we do today, this amazing team. Uh, so I actually did all the intake interviews in the early years of the shelter. And uh, one day I interviewed a young woman who was clearly suffering enormous grief. And as I began to try to understand what kinds of supports we would need to provide for her, I learned that she had, uh, had a child, an infant, maybe about two or three weeks earlier. And uh, that she was living on the street, unable to care for her child, unable to get without money, unable to, provi to provide diapers, formula, things of that nature. So she went to a nearby public grocery store and uh, literally begged the security guard at the entrance to provide her with formula for her child or to take her child. And uh, the security guard called the police and uh, the Department of Children and Families came in and they took the child. I don't think any of us in those circumstances would find the process to recovering their child, reunification with their child, uh, easy. And in her case, without resources, she never recovered her child. That's when I realized, and this was in the first year of operating the shelter, that's when I realized that we had to provide space for women who were homeless and pregnant and their infants. And we set out to find another building very close to the original building. As it happened, it turned out to be a building right next door. And we outfitted that building to create what we called the maternity wing and uh, included cribs and bought baby bottles and changing stations and everything needed for 
new moms and their infants to thrive, to stay together, and to grow together. We opened that building in March of 2007. So since then, Lotus House and now Lotus Village have sheltered close to 7,000 women and children. It's hard to really understand how we got from that first day of opening to this moment uh, where we have uh, over 500 women and children on a nightly basis. But it was one day at a time, one step at a time. So we are waiting right now for, at the time of this recording, for the studio itself to be finished. But at the moment, we are temporarily recording from a children's playroom, which is pretty on point for the theme of the episode and the podcast as a whole. Um, so you answered a lot of my questions. I do want to clarify a few points, though. Um, so you mentioned that you know it starts as a shelter of 34 women, and very quickly in the first year, it's the realization comes that we have to include babies, we have to allow pregnant women. So was it also at that time in the old buildings that we started to include um, children older than infants and whole families? Were they living in the old buildings or were they more, was that more uh, when Lotus Village came in that we were able to accommodate those groups? So our growth occurred over time. We started with the first building for 34 women. Then we added the maternity wing that accommodated uh, pregnant women and their infants. And then we added yet another building that assisted women with older children. You know, we began with toddlers and uh, uh, grade schoolers. We added another building for unaccompanied high school age youth who did not have parents for various reasons, and they were trying to secure their education on their own. Some of them were parenting, some were not. So it was a gradual process of growth over a decade before we finally realized that if we wanted Lotus House to continue, we were going to have to redevelop the site. At that point, the plumbing lines underground had deteriorated. <laughs> um, I won't go into the details, but let me just say one day arrived where it became painfully clear <laughs> to us. <laughs> we could not continue to operate in, that, in those uh, aging buildings. And uh, so we reached out to the community at the time through our uh, Lotus Endowment Fund, which is a separate entity but a supporting foundation for Lotus House, and asked the very generous philanthropists in our community to step forward and help to sponsor the building of what you see today as Lotus Village, a, a state-of-the-art facility on a national level. I've always been struck by, like I said, how intentional every single aspect of the building is. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the actual design process and th things other than just the play spaces um, that were kind of chosen to create this non-institutional environment and a place that's really 
comfortable and accommodating for families. So if you could talk a little bit more about what was going through your mind as you were designing the development, um, some of the things that you learned from the old buildings, especially with regards to housing children and families. Well, okay, so when we set out to design this facility, we had been operating for a decade. We knew what we didn't have and what we needed. If you hearken back to those days, we did not have indoor seating other than for about 10 people uh, where we served the meals. And even that was a step up from the very beginning where we would serve the meals uh, on the table outside uh, and uh, you had to hope it didn't rain that day during mealtime. So we had come from very, very humble beginnings and uh, uh, it was easy to put together our want list of what we would need if we had the resources to do it. But we went a step further actually, and we applied for and got an innovations award, again from the Children's Trust, to develop a model therapeutic children's wellness center to embed within the facility. We wanted a state-of-the-art childcare facility, but we also knew given the high levels of trauma that our children have experienced before arriving here, it was important to have a, a deep therapeutic component to what we were doing. And so the Children's Wellness Center research, which spanned several months and meeting with many different community providers to get ideas and visiting childcare centers around the country, actually, to look at other ideas, other ways people had tried to address the needs of children, resulted in uh, not only a long, in-depth paper, mm -hmm. which is on our website, about the Children's Wellness Center, but also gave us the principles that would underlie every aspect of the facility itself. So for example, we learned that it's important for children and families that have experienced trauma to be in a soothing environment. That maybe bright colors are not the best, but certainly natural materials like the wood floor and the wood furnishings that you see throughout the facility were soothing and more conducive to healing. We selected furniture that was designed to have soft curves everywhere because we'd seen children falling down for years. <laughs> As they learn, they bump into things, they touch everything. So all of the furniture within the facility was designed to be child-friendly. And then having things like an intake sanctuary so that children could play with toys even while mom is speaking with a counselor to make it a welcoming process, <clears throat> to let them know that they're seen and they're valued. They're not just baggage in tow, as is so often the case in shelter systems across the country. You know, most shelters uh, really evolved around the needs of men. Living out on the street, sadly, 
chronically homeless, many times suffering from substance abuse issues due to lack of mental health treatment. And uh, it wasn't until the mid-80s that you started to see children and families, particularly single mothers, flooding America's shelter systems. And so the shelters really kind of pieced together without much thought uh, or the resources to address the needs of children from the outset. We had an opportunity through the research that we were doing, through our founders at the endowment, through our funding partners like Miami-Dade County Homeless Trust and the city of Miami and Miami-Dade County just generally, uh, the Children's Trust and many others to take a more thoughtful approach and uh, to create in Lotus Village the first of its kind, a shelter that was really designed to be child-centered, child to put children first. And then, of course, the amazing programming team we have here, the children's services team, the families, the youth and singles teams from a clinical perspective, our health and wellness team, and the programming team here, all designed programming and supportive services to support our children and families. And so, of course, the building is amazing, but it creates the platform. And that platform supports enriched programming for children, provides deep protective factors, comprehensive supportive services, and uh, opportunities for play. They often say that uh, children's work is play. And so we wanted to create plenty of opportunities for our children to just be kids. And that's how this village is so special and unique because every single aspect of its design and every single aspect of its programming recognizes that children need special supportive services and that homelessness should not be yet another layer of trauma in a young child's life, but could instead be a window of opportunity for them to heal, to grow, thrive, and as we say around here, blossom into who they're meant to be. Last question. What is your dream for the future of Lotus House, its staff and participants? My dream is that the dreams of every woman and child who enter this house come true. And as for this village, I hope that someday this village is one of many, that we have inspired change all across this country, that we have shown people that shelters are to be treasured, that they are beautiful places of healing on a holistic way, body, mind, and spirit. And that those who experience homelessness are part of us. That we're one heart. And that we 
fall or rise together. And in Lotus Village, we blossom. Thanks again to Constance for sharing those words of inspiration. Next, you'll hear a preview of some of our Mother's Day recordings, where we set up our mobile studio so moms and kids could record messages to each other to save for years to come. My name is Amaria, and my mama, I'm doing this speech for my mama because she is a hardworking mother, and she have eight kids. She's trying her best to do everything she can do for all of us, and I love her so much that she makes me want to cry so bad. Have Happy Mother's Day, Mama. I love you, Mommy, because you do, because you hug me, Mommy. And you do a lot of things for me, Mommy, and all of those things you do for me are good and happy Valentine's Day, Mommy. Today is my day. Happy Mother's Day to me and to me, myself, and that. I pat myself on the shoulder, doing a wonderful job every day. Sometimes it gets hard, but it gets better. When I think about it, it's all joy and smile. Love my kids. I go out for my kids. I appreciate my kids. They're the best kids in the world. And I love my kids. Happy Mother's Day to me. I'm Sophia, Naomi, Rosario. Um, I just want to thank you guys for taking this journey with me. And we all know it's been very difficult and a struggle, but you guys have made it so fun and memorable. Um, each of you made my life worth living. And you make me smile every time I cried, which was a lot, and made me laugh when I was angry. So I just, I'm a better human being, a better woman because of you guys. And I just want you guys to remember that yo te amo con todo mi corazón. I love you, mommy, so much. Cause you bless me, cause you take care of me. Uh, uh. Bye. If you'd like to hear more cute content like this, be sure to follow us on social media at Lotus House One. Lastly, if you'd like to help out in any way, please head over to the show notes on whatever platform you're listening to to find links to our most urgent needs wish lists. While many of the items listed are basic needs for operating the shelter and providing to our guests during their stay, you may not have known that we also provide everything they may need for their new home upon move out, including furnishings from our thrift store. So any donation will go directly to families in need, whether they're staying at the shelter or moving on to the next chapter of their lives. In the show notes, you can also access the link to sign up for in-person volunteering. We do rely on regular volunteers for everything from children's activities to kitchen service. But right now, specifically, we are in need of assistance with operational tasks like cleaning, maintenance, and landscaping. If you have any other ideas or inquiries, anything under the sun, you are welcome to email us at love at lotushouse.org anytime. That's L-O-V-E at lotushouse.org. So one last time, please head to the show notes to find all the important links for donations and volunteering, and follow us on socials at lotushouse1. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode. We look forward to having you here next time.